Bibi Fahodier, welcome to the African Liberation Media Podcast. Media solely focused on the liberation and empowerment of African people. I'm your host, Gullah Jack, a.k.a. Russell Swilly. Let's get to it. Bibi Fahodier, today's date is April 5th, 2020, or 6260. We're here to talk about a number of issues, uh, the nuances of this unknown virus, this coronavirus that is having a devastating effect throughout the world in general, the African-American community in particular. Uh, Yesterday, we uh, recognized Dr. Martin Luther King. Of course, he was assassinated April 4th, 1968, while standing on the balcony of the Lorraine Hotel. Uh, the relevance as it relates to Dr. King, as far as this violence is, as far as, I'm sorry, this virus is concerned, uh, lies in the fact that he talked about uh, profiteering. Uh, to quote Dr. King, or to paraphrase Dr. King, whenever profit motives and machines become more important than people, well, then that's a society that is on the brink of a spiritual death. He was probably given Western culture uh, too much credit uh, as it relates to the statement by Dr. King. Uh, we find price gouging going on. Uh, capitalism has no conscience. It has no internal restraints. Uh, it is not patriotic at all. The psychopathic capitalistic oligarchs speak in the language of patriotism and concern for uh, America, but internally they have so corrupted these systems of power uh, to the point where uh, they have basically manipulated the entire system to work for their uh, benefit. And uh, that's a problem we're dealing with uh, to the detriment of all Americans. Suffice it to say that when white America um, catches a cold, we have pneumonia. And that becomes, that is a direct quote from Dr. King as well. Maybe Dr. King didn't say that, but he uh, that is part of the African-American law that is uh, definitely applicable, uh, given the profiteers and the freeloaders that we find in the midst of this crisis. Here with Brother Zamos and Brothers uh, Macaru. Gentlemen, take it wherever you want to take it. Yes, yeah, so BB for Hodier, uh, African Liberation Media family. Once again, we are broadcasting remotely, so the quality, the sound quality may not be up to our usual standards because we are taking this uh, social distancing and the disease itself very, 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 very seriously. And so uh, we are all calling in from different locales. Uh, just one thing about about Dr. King, uh, he said, a nation that continues year after year to spend more money on military defense than on programs of social uplift is approaching spiritual death. Well, you could, you might argue that uh, it was spiritually dead from the beginning. So maybe, maybe we can replace spiritual death with physical death uh, because there's never been a spiritual spiritual society uh african liberation media contributor to hero farrah bradley said if COVID 19 was a country that america wanted to take over there would be no shortages of equipment to accomplish that mission and one oh, of the, one of the <laughs> yeah yeah baby, baby girl landing on hot and heavy there um uh, that's deep yeah, that is the um, one. Let me just give you one example of that, and then I'm then I'm gonna toss it over to almost, and and then I'm gonna come back uh, from the New York Times on April the first. President Trump has repeatedly assured Americans that the federal government is holding ten thousand ventilators in reserve to ship to the hardest hit hospitals around the nation as they struggle to keep the most critically ill patients alive. But what the federal officials have neglected to mention is that an additional 2,100 life-saving devices are unavailable 
after the contract to maintain the government stockpile lapsed last summer and a contracting dispute meant that a new firm did not begin its work until January. By then, the coronavirus was already underway. So once again, here we, here we, here we are uh, with an example of how capitalism could care less, could absolutely, absolutely care less. Uh, they, let, they let the contract expire, and so these ventilators are sitting there. Uh, side note on the ventilators, uh, something that I, I saw a headline, didn't go into the details, but what it said was that um, most people who are put on ventilators do not survive. So you definitely don't want to get to the state of ventilators. And I know I almost have some things to say about things that that we can do to um, keep our immune system boosted up. But I'm going to toss it over to uh, you, Brother Almost. Uh, I know Jack has some other things to say. I want to come back and talk about some of the disparities uh, we see in terms of uh, uh, racial and ethnic groups. Who is uh, contracting the virus? Who is dying? Uh, but I'll come back to that, uh, Brother Amos, because I know you got some critical late-breaking information. I know from a doctor that uh, uh, we posted the video that you sent uh, this morning on African Liberation Media on the Facebook page. So go ahead, Brother Amos. Bibi Fahodi, African family. Uh, first off, I wanted to talk about this fake news situation with the mainstream media Good. and the CDC and the American government. We know that there's been a cover-up of the situation with coronavirus or COVID-19 as it's identified. But specifically, recently they announced last Friday that they're now recommending that people wear face masks. Now, a month or so ago, Dr. Fauci uh, made statements and also the CDC made statements that Americans who are not sick should not be wearing face masks. And they said that the reason okay. that you should not be wearing a face mask is, is because <clears throat> the virus would actually, you would actually um, have a higher rate of catching the virus if you wore a face mask. I know this sounds ridiculous, <laughs> but this is what we mean when we talk about capitalism over common sense. People always ask the question, who can I trust when it comes to the news? The mainstream media calls independent news, fake news. And we for years have been telling you information that the mainstream media will hide from you for their benefit. So the original recommendation was not to wear a mask. And now because other countries have successfully slowed the spread of the coronavirus down by having everyone who goes outside wear a mask, like in the Czech Republic or in China, they're wearing masks. Top Asian health officials said that America's not wearing masks is a big mistake. And we've seen how this virus has exploded from uh, less than 10 days ago being around 30,000 infected people to now over 300,000 infected people. And the state of New York alone has more infections and deaths than many other countries around the world. So common sense would tell you that if I put a mask on, if I am infected, then that can slow down the rate of me infecting others. If I go out and I cough in public or sneeze in public, at least I'm sneezing or coughing into the mask. And then also if these droplets are in the air, and I have a mask on and I'm not infected, then I can somehow possibly keep myself from breathing in the droplets and getting the virus. So the reason that the CDC and the government is now stating or originally stated that you should not be wearing a mask had nothing to do with whether you would catch the virus or not. It had to do with them trying to protect health officials, doctors, and other people in positions because they knew that it would be a shortage in masks around the country 
if they told people you should go out and get a mask. But what they should have done is they should have mandated that stores could not sell a certain quantity of masks to people or people could not order a certain quantity of masks if they wanted to protect the the um the stock of masks that are available why not just limit the sale the same way that they're now limiting in many stores they're limiting people to only buying two packs of toilet toilet tissue or they're limiting people to only buying two boxes of ammunition why not limit the purchase of masks and latex gloves or other protective gloves so that you can make sure that the, the, the citizens have the mask and also the healthcare professionals have masks as well. So we can identify this as fake news by the media. This is proof that shows okay. you that they're willing to lie to you for their <clears throat> own individual benefit, which they've done many times before. We know weapons of mass destruction, the list goes on and on. But in saying that, I wanted to talk about the health situation and practical things that you can do um, because many people have been weighing in on, on the coronavirus, the theories of where it comes from, how it started. Uh, we've also, on some of our previous episodes, we, we've also talked about some of the different theories um, and tried to think about maybe the reason is why this uh, this thing is out there. But truthfully, nothing has been presented that has been absolutely definitive to show the source or the reason. Now, many of the theories are plausible based on the evidence. And there is there is information that could be attained if the CDC would cooperate, which meaning if they would actually test some of the early people who died last year in Maryland after Fort Detrick closed, if they were to test those people or provide those health results of those military personnel that traveled to Wuhan, then we would have definitive evidence. But right now we don't have that, even though we do think it is a bioweapon. But with that being stated, with the COVID-19 virus, I'm seeing a lot of people that whether it's them believing in 5G or them believing that this is not that serious, that that this is just a scare tactic or whatever they are believing that's stopping them from taking it serious. This is the time where we can't sit back and act like nothing is happening. I I would advise everybody listening to this show to when you go out in public to wear a mask, to wear gloves, and to make sure that you sanitize, wash your hands, and protect yourself as much as possible. Especially if you know you have pre-existing health conditions that can be triggered by uh, this virus. They say that people with high blood pressure or respiratory issues are at a higher risk of dying from the virus. So out of the people that are infected, the majority of the people who are infected by this will experience some mild symptoms, meaning that you won't have to go to the hospital. You can just stay at home and quarantine yourself. And others who experience this will experience extreme symptoms where they will have to be hospitalized. And then also a percentage of those people may end up on ventilators. And as, as uh, Baba Makaru stated, that's where you don't want to end up. So we're not medical doctors, but at least protecting yourself when you go out is something that common sense would tell you to do. Also, there have been studies, as we talked about on previous programs, that show the positive effects of vitamin C and being used to fight against COVID-19. So you should be taking some type of vitamin, multivitamin on a daily basis just to keep vitamin C within your system. If you do start to develop symptoms, what I would do 
And again, I'm not a medical doctor, but I'm just recommending what I would do. If you feel your throat is scratchy or you feel the fever coming on, start to load up on vitamin C. Take about a thousand milligrams every four to five, six hours so that you can help your immune system. Because what's happening in a lot of cases is some people's bodies, are their immune systems are overreacting trying and trying to respond to the virus. And that ends up killing them. Or some people are waiting too long to help the immune system out. And they're letting the virus spread from their nasal cavity down the, the esophagus, uh, a trachea, excuse me, trachea, which goes down into the lungs. And once it gets down into your lungs, then that's when you start to get the fluid build up on your lungs. You start to get in a more extreme uh, health situation where you could possibly it could it could possibly become fatal so as soon as you start to sense this again you should daily you should be taking vitamins anyway or if, if you don't want to take vitamins then you should be eating the foods that will give your body the vitamin sources that it needs but if you start to see these symptoms come on then you need to start to load up and react don't sit back and wait and, you know, like some people do, you know, drink some alcohol and try to sleep it out. That's not going to work. You need to proactively take your health uh, very seriously at this time, because right now. There is no answer for this for this. Uh, coronavirus or this COVID-19, this version of this coronavirus that we believe is a bioweapon currently at this point. There are treatments that a lot of people, a lot of countries are experimenting with, but that's what everybody is pretty much doing at this time is experimenting. No country has a definitive cure for this COVID-19 virus. Well, Absolutely. Brother, point, Absolutely. Go ahead, brother. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. To your point, uh, brother, uh, <clears throat> we know that uh, New York has been plagued by incessant smog for years and the air quality of New Orleans has never been uh, great given the fact that it sits in the uh, in, a, in a hole uh, so to speak um, and I know brother Macaroo will deal with the disparities that exist as it relates to economics which clearly affect our ability to uh, react proactively in, in, in dealing with a number of, of, of uh, illnesses but I want to go back to Dr. King, where uh, he talked about without a radical change of values, and this was his indictment of capitalism, the triplets of imperialism, racism, and economic exploitation are incapable of being conquered. Clearly, we can see two of the three, given the fact that it, you know, possibly, conceivably, it is a bioweapon. And uh, to be honest, the pharmaceutical companies, they welcome a pandemic so that they can monopolize the product and sell it at exorbitant uh, prices. Uh, clearly, personal wealth is far more significant than the public uh, health, uh, and we have that greed. Uh, I, I don't. I don't. Even, I can't even think of the word I want to use. You know, the uh, just the capitalist greed, for lack of a better term, uh, superseding. Uh, the concerns for uh, uh, human life, uh, and and that that's just a brief point I want to make. Up, yeah, uh, go ahead, brother Macaru. Well, just just a couple of things to uh, validate some of the uh, points that brother almost made. If if New York State were a country, it would be number four in the world. In terms of cases, uh, the data I see right here on Worldometers, uh, United States, 336,000 plus, Spain, 131,000 plus, Italy, 128,000 plus. This is the total number of cases. And New York State, 122,000 plus cases. So, so you you could see where New York would rank. It would be ahead of Germany, France, China, 
China's been taking a lot of criticism because they don't think that they have been reporting accurate numbers. We don't know that's true or not, but you know, whatever the case is, New York uh, would be would be the fourth if it were a country. It would be ranked number four in the world right now in terms of uh, the total number of cases uh, and you know that's just uh it's it's incredible to think about how the disease uh is wrecking so much havoc there uh in that uh that that metropolitan area and we know uh that you know uh the guy talked about i can't remember his name now but he talked about possibility of this u.s cyclist being global patient zero well that there was a there was a Manhattan attorney who attended a service at Young Israel Synagogue, which is in Westchester <laughs> County, in uh, New Rochelle, in Westchester County, uh, New York. Jack, you, that you cough and you check that cough out, brother. Make sure there's nothing serious there. Uh, in New Rochelle, this guy. Uh, left the service, came back to his Manhattan office and infected 50 people, at least 50 people from this wow. one wow. from from this one lawyer. And you know, unless they had some kind unless there was the government doing something, I would I would expect that these soldiers, if these soldiers were in fact carriers as a result of an accidental spill at Fort Detrick, I would expect other soldiers, I mean, this one lawyer infected uh, 50 people. Um, the other thing uh, that we have to be careful of is the uh, surfaces uh, because the uh, droplets, uh, they obviously, they spread further. Uh, they spread further if you, if someone sneezes or coughs. Okay. If, you are, if you are close to a person they can spread as a result of just the breath that you emit. And, you know, this okay. is perhaps the way uh, Rudy Gobert was uh, infected the Detroit player because the Detroit player went up the block and shot. Uh, people that, that play sports know that uh, oftentimes, you know, that there's a lot of heavy breathing going on. And, you know, that's perhaps the way he, he did it. But, one of the things that you have to be concerned about is if you are picking up items, for example, in a store, the virus can live, for example, on cardboard items. The virus can live on your clothes. The virus can live on plastic bags that uh, most people pick up in the store. So you have to, you have to take precautions regarding everything uh, that you touch. So even if you're wearing if you're wearing gloves in the store, like I wear gloves, you know, in the store, we wear gloves when I'm, you know, pumping gas and, and doing other things. But when I come home, my natural tendency, the first thing I normally do is what I what I had been doing was I, I would I would carefully remove the gloves and then I would wash my hands. And you have to wash your hands in warm water and most people, when we first turn out the water on, it's not warm. You have to let the water warm up and wash your hands in warm water. What I wasn't doing was wiping down the surfaces of the items that I bring in. So now what I so now what I what I what I have started doing is uh, come in and obviously if I touch a doorknob, uh, you know I'm going to uh, wipe the doorknob off after you know I get through doing this. Uh, if I if I if I touch the handle on the faucet, I'm gonna I'm gonna wipe I'm gonna wipe it down. Also, or spray it with Lysol or something like that. Uh, but now I'm wiping down the items. I'm wiping down the items before I, uh, you know, take my gloves off. Then 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 after I've wiped down the items, disposed of the plastic bags and things like that, then you know I'll I'll remove the gloves. And, you know, like usually what I do is I'll put them down right at the uh, right inside on uh, the back door and, you know, do it there. Usually with the door open, because 
uh, the fresh air, you know, generally if you got a little wind blowing, I mean, it's, you know, all, all of these things help. So, I mean, those were, those are just some of the things that we don't think about, for example, like, like our clothes, like I said last week, you know, uh, if your nose is itching, maybe you can take your sleeve. That that that's that's probably not a good idea because your sleeve might have, uh, you know, might have picked a virus up from somebody if you are too close. And okay. and to your Just point, no, normal. Go ahead, bro. Go ahead. I was gonna say to your point about the um about the the way the virus lives on surfaces. Right now, the grocery store is really a cesspool for this virus. Because everybody that's staying at home, when they do go out, majority of people are going to these grocery stores. These grocery stores are not doing a good enough cleaning on a daily basis to kill the virus. And some of them, they don't really clean the grocery carts down. And all of them don't have the sanitizer wipes that you can use to sanitize the, the grocery carts when you go into the store. A lot of grocery stores that I've walked into Many of the cashiers are not wearing masks. They're not protected. Some of them not wearing gloves. Uh, I went into a Lowe's two weeks ago because I had to fix a faucet in my house. And that same Lowe's store, uh, an employee there tested positive for the virus, uh, which was in the wow. news uh, last week. So now that same Lowe's, I went back in that Lowe's, that same Lowe's, now they have these plastic uh, glasses that are that they've built to protect the cashiers from having to actually breathe or 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 be able to breathe in the air from the, the customers. But some grocery stores you go into, people are handling cash. Cash, if the virus lives on surfaces, then it's going to spread through people handling money because it's going to live on the cash. Most people are not disinfecting dollar bills. So, <laughs> so, that's a, so that's I a mean, good, that, you know, that's a good point. I mean, I've seen in, in some cases, some stores that I've gone to, people at the door, they spray hand sanitizer on you before you can walk in. They only allow a certain number of people in the store at a time. And on top of that, even I was at one store, the mailman came to the store and they sprayed down the mail uh, and made the uh, the mailman also get uh, sprayed with hand sanitizer before he can deliver the mail. Wow. But let me go to something that that we a subject that we had raised um, a couple of weeks ago when uh, the Trump administration, which is demonstrating colossal ignorance and crass ineptitude. Uh, first of all, just from the conflicting information that they, that they have been giving people, but they did identify a couple of weeks ago what they said were the next five hotspots. And we said in a Facebook post that we expected that the African-American community, the African community in the United States would, would, could expect to be hit very hard because of places they identified uh, were uh, Wayne County, Michigan, Cook County, Illinois, uh, New Orleans, uh, the ATL, and, and, some, and I think one other, I can't remember, it might have been Los Angeles. But so what we have seen now is and Dr. Ibram Kendi, one of our most brilliant young scholars out there now, uh, had written an article and say, you know, how how do, how do we know how to respond to this when the data is not being reported by uh, demographics? And uh, but luckily in Mecklenburg County, Mecklenburg County started reporting demographics from the very beginning. And, you know, what we have seen, and these, these numbers have held pretty steady. Uh, uh, black people in uh, Mecklenburg County, Charlotte, North Carolina, where we live, 32.9%, uh, nearly 33% of the population. And based on the latest data that they reported on April 1st, we were 44.8% of the cases. Now, they, they, don't, they don't have the deaths. Uh, 
the death rate is very low so far. It's 0.6%. But, but uh, so, so we had an indication, right, that, that there was a disparity there. But let me just give you some of the other numbers uh, from around the country. Uh, for the state of Michigan, uh, uh, black people in Michigan are 14% of the population. Third, they are, we are 35% of the cases and 40% of the deaths in Michigan. In, uh, in Illinois, uh, we make up 14.6% of the state population for 28% of the confirmed cases. Whereas uh, white people are 76.9% of the, of the population and 39% of the confirmed cases. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we can see the, the, these disparities. Uh, Milwaukee County, uh, African-Americans made up almost half of, of Milwaukee County's 945 cases. Uh, this was on April 1st. And 81% of the 27 deaths in the county, which is 26% black. So we can see that this is something that we, we, we anticipated. Uh, one, just the general health disparities uh, in, this, in, in this country, the historical health disparities in this country. Uh, we still have large numbers of people who are, are uninsured because despite all of the praises that people have heaped upon Obamacare, its costs are out of the reach for most people still, uh, even though it even though it has uh, made sure that a lot of people have been have 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 been insured. Uh, and then and then we have the situation uh, with what uh, almost said, you know, diet, exercise, uh, the um, compromised immune systems. Because of the of the of the high rates of uh, some uh, debilitating diseases, for example, like diabetes, cancer, heart disease, uh, these types of things. One of the things that 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 uh, we've learned about the virus is that they the, the virus comes in what they're calling high doses, medium doses, and low doses. And, 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 and the, the, the high doses come from when you have close contact with somebody who is a carrier, even though the carrier may not be uh, showing uh, any symptoms. Close contact with a carrier is, show, is, is being shown to end uh, to uh, cause a very, very high dosage of the virus entering your body. And, you know, as they say, two things can happen once the virus enters your body. Your body, uh, your immune system can release antibodies, which stop it in its tracks. And that's why most people have uh, nothing worse than, you know, uh, uh, something similar to the flu. But if your, if your immune system doesn't stop it and it gets into the lungs and becomes pneumonia, then all types of things, uh, most of them bad, can, can happen. So, you know, I see people still, you know, doing things in close contact with one another, not taking this, not taking this thing serious. Uh, the, the closer your contact that you may have, with a carrier and a person may not know that they're a carrier. Uh, you know, for example, you know, we saw the story about the heroic Detroit bus rider who was concerned when a lady got on his bus and coughed in his face, he died. He was 50 years old. Uh, after he, you know, made his video, the bus drivers, uh, the transportation workers uh, in Detroit went on strike demanding or protections and and so they started forcing people to enter the bus from the back and make uh keep a row of seats 
between the driver, but it, you know they made these changes too late. But you look at it like this, a lot of people uh, don't have a choice but to work. You know, a lot of service providers like transportation workers, they don't have a choice but to work. And a lot of our people, and I know this because I've been a bus rider. <laughs> I know every bus, just about every bus route in Charlotte. And on, buses get very crowded. Now, you know, I don't I haven't been on a bus in a while. I don't know with all with all of the people who are unemployed. Uh, I know the buses have kept cut back on their schedule. So, but generally speaking, like you know, if you if you get on a bus, say between uh, 6.30 and 8.30 in the morning, a lot of times it's standing room only. So you're in close contact with people. And it's, it's, you know, generally the same way on, you know, the subways and L trains in big cities. So you can see how with the possibility that people are in close contact, uh, some people are, will probably risk going to work and try to, you know, not cough or whatever, even if they have, they're not feeling well because, you know, they don't they don't have any income. Some people are out, uh, have uh, run totally out of, of all of their funds. So and you know these government government checks aren't due until uh, I think maybe the middle of April at the best, uh, depending on the people who filed income taxes in 2018. So. Once again, that everything goes back to the, the necessity for doing everything you can to keep your immune system boosted up. But, I mean, this speaks to the um, inadequacy of the system and the low regard it has for the American citizenry. And if the system has not been uh, exposed there for all to see, well, then I don't know what will uh, wake people up regarding the uh, – the, the 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 disregard it has for the American public in uh in, in, in general. And this is one of the things that uh you know Dr. King was talking about as he addressed many of the economic concerns and was uh attempting to uh approach some of these issues uh, by way of the uh, poor people's campaign uh it to provide a basic income. You know, for most Americans, uh, he he thought it was a travesty that in a rich nation, people were living off on uh, starvation wages. So, uh, you know, it's it's just ironic that uh, we would be uh, beset with this outbreak uh, around the time when he was uh, assassinated for dealing with many of these economic issues. Uh, He protested the war in Vietnam. The military-industrial complex uh, is raging still to the detriment of uh, attending to uh, the infrastructure, which includes not only bridges but hospitals and uh, health care needs on the part of uh, the vast majority of the citizenry. You got a president that uh, has not uh, invoked the War Production Act, uh, instead opting for privatization, uh, whereby many of these companies are able to uh, charge exorbitant prices. Uh, so. You know, we, we're clearly talking about a system that is uh, humane and, uh, you know, in addition to going back to work at whatever point in time, you know, Americans uh, of goodwill should sincerely consider uh, the need to restructure. Jack, give, you know, give, the, people, uh, give the people a uh, glimpse into an uh, understanding of the War Production Act that you talked about. Okay, well, you already know it, brother. During a time of uh, war, uh, the War Production Act, the Defense Production Act, the government basically is able to nationalize industry to uh, produce weaponry based on need. And, uh, you know, for instance, uh, we saw during World War II, Ford, uh, General Motors, uh, they uh, produced uh, weaponry, okay, that was uh, consistent with defeating the uh, uh, the Nazis in the, in the in the Imperial Empire of Japan. Uh, that is one purpose that they could serve. Harry Truman did this. Uh, these industries could be transformed into um, 
producing masks and the ventilators and the necessary, um, I guess, uh, materials, uh, the protective equipment that doctors and nurses and those people on the front line are saying uh, even now that they are, that they don't have inadequate, that, they, that the equipment is inadequate. So you, you could basically transform industry to support the war effort. Right. You know, of course, you know, the point must be made that even during World War II, uh, Ford Motor Company, uh, they produced not only for the American effort, they produced for the Nazis, too. And so when, 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 when many of the soldiers rolled up on the beaches of Normandy, to their surprise, they were confronted with tanks and jeeps that uh, had the Ford emblem on it. So, uh, I mean, it, it, it just speaks to a, a, a system that owes no loyalty. Black man and woman arguing for reparations from time immemorial. Okay, and yet still you had Ford Motor Company who had bases set up in Germany, received reparations from the U.S. government, even though they were aiding and abetting an enemy uh, in, in fighting the Americans. So, uh, you know, I mean, clearly uh, <laughs> people, we need to really recognize uh, what's going on out here. Like Brother Amos used to say, recognize what's going on out here and opt for a different uh, system. We need a total system overall uh, that, you know, clearly doesn't even work for white folk, let alone black folk. But, you know, we are more acutely aware of uh, this system and how it functions to the detriment. Uh, We are less apt to buy into the myth of patriotism and all the rigmarole that we've heard from forever. Well, I think one of the things that has happened with this virus is that it's exposed how fragile this system really is. When you look into many of the things that people think that they own here, like you think you own your land, you know, you think you own your business. But in this situation, like you talked about the War Production Act, the government could step in and force your business to produce items for the government. Right now, the government has, is telling people who rent property out to other people that you cannot foreclose on people during this crisis. So who is really in control of your own property? They're telling other people that, for instance, people that may rent out on Airbnb or other sites like that in the state of South Carolina, they have suspended all short term rentals. So if you have you are dependent on that income to come in, that income has been suspended. Other businesses that are not considered to be essential have been shut down. So the land of the American dream is showing you that it's really only a facade. And this is still a republic. People can call it a democracy all they want. But in times like this, it shows you just how fragile the system is and what the system really is, which is a republic and that can be ran in dictatorship just like any other country that people in the United States try to criticize for quote-unquote not being a democracy. Yeah, why don't you go ahead and uh, talk about the French doctors, Brother Amos. Okay. So there there was a French doctor who was doing an interview uh, and talking about the, the uh, coronavirus and potential treatments. And Dr. Jean-Paul Mira has recently come out and apologized for his statements that he made last Friday for stating that Africa should be the testing ground, basically the testing ground for guinea pigs, for a vaccine or a potential vaccine for coronavirus. His reasoning was that, well, since Africans don't protect themselves and we know that they're highly exposed and they don't wear masks, this would be the perfect place to test out a vaccine, which really makes no sense because when we look at the numbers on the African continent, the numbers in Africa are lower as far as coronavirus infections and deaths than any other other continent in the world. 
with some African countries having no deaths and very, very little infections. I think Rwanda only has 89 total infections as compared to some countries with thousands of infections. So if people in Africa are not even being affected, then why would you go to a place where coronavirus does not exist to test a vaccine? Common sense would tell you that you should test a vaccine in a country like Italy, where thousands of people are dying and being infected to see if the vaccine is actually effective. But the real reason that they want to test it out in Africa is so that if there are any complications, well, if the Africans die, then at least whites didn't die. So when they test stuff in labs, what do they do? They use rats. The reason why they use rats is so that they can test out different things to see if a certain amount of exposure to this drug or to this chemical will cause cancer in the rat. And then they can use these test studies and then say, we may have similar results if, if we look at the rat versus the human. So they want to use Africans pretty much as rats and test this vaccine out on Africans. And then if millions of Africans die, then they'll, you know, just blow it off because they don't really care about African life. In this particular case, what they uh, are using, uh, they're using uh, BCG, which is the tuberculosis vaccine. And they're using it for trials. They've already started trials in uh, the Netherlands, Australia, Denmark, Germany, the United Kingdom, and supposedly in the United States. Uh, so they already they, they are they are testing the TB vaccine, and uh, a very interesting thing uh, emerged as as a result of this. Uh, and what what they found was that nations with mandatory TB vaccines show fewer coronavirus deaths. So as soon as they saw this data, they said, well, you know, what is the connection? Um, and I, I'll just read uh, from this uh, from this one item. Uh, this may be one time when Africa actually benefited from from a from a vaccine. Uh, one of the first to conduct the trial of a BCG vaccine effectiveness against coronavirus is uh, Dr. Natia, an infectious disease expert in the Netherlands. His team has already enrolled 400 health workers in the trial. 200 got the BCG vaccine and 200 received a placebo. He doesn't expect to see any results for at least two months. He all, he's also about to start a separate trial study of the effectiveness of the BC vaccine on those older than 60. Other trials are taking place in the countries that are already named. Scientists are still working to better understand why BCG vaccine may be effective against not just tuberculosis, but other disease microbes. Natia's decade-long work shows that BCG vaccine sensitizes the immune system in such a way whenever any pathogen that relies on the same attack strategy as tuberculosis bacteria attacks it is ready to respond in a better way than the immune than the immune system of those who haven't received the vaccine it's like the bcg vaccine creates bookmarks for the immune system to use later in life now some of us some people in the united states uh, were vaccinated against uh, tuberculosis up to a period of time. And then once the disease was eradicated in the United States, they stopped giving those vaccinations. But all of the countries in Africa are supposed to be doing this. The only one that, well, there were two on the map that I saw. And maybe they just hadn't gotten to, you know, South Sudan is a very new country. But uh, now, are they... Are uh, they vaccinating every child that's born, particularly out in the rural areas? Uh, you know that 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 would be something that that would need that we would need to find out about. Uh, but it could be that that and this is just an hypothesis. It could be that one of the reasons why Africa has a low rate of infections 
is because that African children were born, who were born, uh, were given this this vaccine. Now, I don't know how this worked during colonialism. I haven't gotten that deep into it, but particularly since colonialism, these countries is tuberculosis vaccine is supposed to be mandatory. In some countries, for example, you cannot uh, enter school. Uh, for example, if you have if if you don't have a record showing that you were vaccinated uh, with the vaccine, you know, as a child, and there have been studies that that showed, you know, how how quickly these children were vaccinated, you know, some within two weeks and some a little bit later. But like I said, now how how this works in the rural areas uh, is something that that need that needs to be discussed. But this may be one time where Africa benefits. Uh, from something now that's totally different from the from from this other trial vaccine that 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 they that they're trying to develop uh which this african doctor a very renowned doctor as a matter of fact in terms of the fight against uh, ebola and I, I don't know if you had a chance to read this or not on the page almost uh jean jacques mayumbe tamfoon uh, who's who's uh, age 77. He is an MD and PhD, obviously a brilliant man. Uh, his PhD is in uh, uh, virology. Uh, but he his, his whole history, he has worked with the uh, World Health Organization, the Centers for Disease Control, uh, various uh, infectious uh, centers in places uh, in, in, in uh, Europe, for example. And so, uh, you know, he has a history of working with these people. So he he trusts them. But but he but he's but he's no fly by night uh, uh, medical professional. He was part of the research team that investigated the first known case of Ebola in 1976. Uh, he's devoted the last four decades to researching Ebola. He worked uh, on the World Health Organization team that implemented detection and control measures in the first documented uh, urban outbreak of Ebola in Kuwait uh, in the DRC. That was, in, that was in 1995. Now, he has confidence in people like this. He's also worked with Dr. Anthony Fauci, for example, uh, and, so, and some other people. Uh, supposedly, they have been running a lot of trial tests with different vaccines, against Ebola. And what he's saying is that uh, on April the 12th, uh, the current outbreak of Ebola, which has killed uh, more than uh, 2,200 people uh, since his outbreak on August 1st, 2018, he's saying that it will be declared over on April the 12th. More than 320,000 people were given two different experimental vaccines to stop the spread. Uh, this was a very difficult situation because the outbreak took occurred in a conflict zone, particularly in the Kivu province, uh, North Kivu. The Kivus are two of the most minerally rich provinces on the planet Earth. All of our electronics, virtually all of our electronics, run off of uh, materials that are mined in the Kivus. And that's one reason why there's so much conflict there. So that was one issue in terms of they were trying to uh, deal with this Ebola outbreak at the same time you got the conflicts going on there with all of these militia groups fighting over these materials uh, which according to a lot of people are shipped out of the DRC the DRC doesn't benefit from this they're shipped out of the DRC primarily via Rwanda or Uganda if you if you to believe the reports, it is interesting how Rwanda has become such a large exporter of so many raw materials. Uh, Glenn Ford and some other people at Bar raised this issue, uh, and Garrison, some others. Um, but here's the, the the thing is this: uh, the the vaccine given to people in the DRC may have stopped the spread of Ebola, but what are the long term effects? Secondly, if the DRC has been diligent in vaccinating children for TB, the virus shouldn't spread widely among its population if the scientific reports are correct. 
and, and, and the country that they really looked at was Japan because Japan had, had continued to uh, vaccinate people against uh, uh, for, for tuberculosis. And with this aging population and a population of smokers, uh, the rate of infection there was uh, something like 0.5% or somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, it was very, very low. I mean, uh, it's incredible. And that's what got them on to looking at uh, this this uh, this TB vaccine. Uh, so, I mean, certainly uh, the good doctor knows that if you got a population that's been vaccinated, then if if the if if the if the vaccine works, if if it kicks into action, for example, when it sees some other uh, uh, type of uh, respiratory pathogen in the body, then they should have a low rate. But here's but here's the kicker. Uh, per one database, the, D, the DRC has 18 deaths out of 154 con infections, a death rate of 11.69%, one of the highest in the world. Hmm. So that raises a lot of questions. Uh, the highest in the world uh, is Italy, which is 12 point something, and the DRC was right behind that. There may be another country that was in that range uh, the 11% range, uh, you know, and so, uh, you know, what he said was that, uh, let me see if I can find that article where he, let's see, yeah, here we go. Uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo is prepared to take part in testing of any future vaccine against the coronavirus. The head of the country's task force against the pandemic said on Friday, we've been chosen to conduct these tests said the head of the National Biological Institute, Jean-Jacques Muyembe. The vaccine will be produced in the United States or Canada or China. We are candidates for doing the testing here, uh, he told a, uh, a press briefing uh, this week. Uh, la uh, well, when was this reported? I think maybe on Friday. Muyembe suggested that the clinical trials could begin in July or August. At some point, COVID-19 will become uncontrollable, the virologist said. The only way to control it would be a vaccine, just like Ebola. It was a vaccine that helped us end the Ebola epidemic. Well, it hadn't ended yet. Well, first of all, you can never say Ebola, the epidemic is, you, you might say an outbreak in one country, but, but the way this virus goes away and comes back, you can never say, I don't think he can make that statement. Uh, maybe he's being overly optimistic there because first of all, they don't know the source. After all, after all of these years since the first outbreak, they still have not determined the source. Now, Doctor uh, uh, Miami did some, did studies on bats, and he said he ruled bats out. So, I mean, this guy's been working on this for a long time. Uh, so, anyway, now. Is he speaking for the Cong for the, the DRC government? Will the president okay this? Do these do these guys go in and line somebody's pockets? And then they use people for guinea pigs. Will the people of the DRC resist this? Uh we know that uh, I saw the uh, a Kenyan, one Kenyan politician say absolutely under no conditions would Kenya be uh, allowed to be guinea pigs for this. Uh yeah, I saw that. I mean and, and see and, uh, and here's the other thing almost. If what if the reports about this uh, about these TB vaccinations if 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 they if they are accurate, I mean in terms of uh, saying that in countries where the tested where the uh, vaccination is mandatory that they they have the lowest uh, rates of infections in the world, why would why would Africa be the a, a place where you would want to test it anyway? I mean, you know, in, in my, you know, my mind, you know, the, you know, person that grew up on West Boulevard here in Charlotte, I mean, you know, I still got, I got, still got a West Boulevard mentality, which is a lot of common sense. Why would, why would you, why would you choose Africa where there is mandatory tuberculosis vaccinations? Mm -hmm. uh, and why, and why would, why would any African country sign up for this. It seemed, it seemed like the, the good doctor, despite all his impressive credentials, is missing something here unless he's being used by the CDC or the 
World Health Organization or, or one of Gates's foundation. I you know, it once again, you know, one of the things that we that we are we always try to give people a common sense approach, a common sense analysis. But one thing we've always said is that you, know, you can't make common sense out of crazy things. <laughs> and and this is just crazy in in, in my mind. Yeah. Well, we're just about out of time, apparently. Uh, you know, this is African Liberation Media. It has been my pleasure uh, listening to Brother Zamos and um, Brother Macaroo and take every precaution and uh, let's stay healthy. BB48. 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 Power or the lack of power. I want to repeat this. Power or the lack of power. If your education in this institution is not about gaining real power, not job, because your jobs do not represent power. Not getting elected, that does not represent power either. Uh, buying your houses and fine clothes does not represent power. Uh, if it is not about real power, you are being miseducated and misled, and you will die educated and misled. If your study of black history is merely an exercise in feeling good about yourself, then you will die feeling good. The study of history then must be more than the pumping up of your self-esteem and the pumping up of your pride. Those things are important, but ultimately those things are not the means by which we will save ourselves as people in this world. 